Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Alright, good morning. So the portion of scripture that I'm uh, preaching about today is uh, from Exodus 25 to 31, chapter 25 to 31. And when I read this, I was like, oh Lord, what am I going to be preaching about? If you read this, uh, this portion, it's about the tabernacle and all the specific details of the tabernacle of how it needs to be and also the priest, how to consecrate the priest and also the priestly garments. So if I can just ask the guys to bring me the tent, I'm going to show you guys how to set up a tent today. I'm just joking. <clears throat> All right, so what I want to talk about today is um, the three sections of a tabernacle which runs parallel with our lives, our daily lives, and how that applies to us today. Okay, the, par- the tabernacle was a shadow of things to come, and the... the the, the way that the tabernacle was designed was to help us to enter into worship with God. So I really feel that this t- teaching today will bless you guys. And, um, you know, sometimes we go back and forth spiritually. You know, we, we get into a place where we're in worship with, you know, in God's presence. And then we get distracted and we enter out of worship. We go back and forth. But God's design was for us to start at one point and finish at another. It was never to go back and forth into his presence, out of his presence. It's never designed, it's never intended for that. Now, in order for us to understand um, what, what I'm talking about, I briefly want us to look at the tabernacle, just the way that it was designed, just to orientate yourself to um, what, I'll, what I'm talking about. Um, if the guys can just put up the picture there. Um, so that's what the tabernacle looked like. Okay, there was the tent of meeting, which had the holy place, and then the tent was split into two parts. You had the holy, the holy place, and then you had the most holy place. And then outside here on the left, you had the bronze altar and the bronze basin where people had to wash themselves. If you can go on to the next picture for me. Okay, so that's the blueprint of it. Okay, so I want to start with the bronze altar and the bronze basin. Okay, that was... That was where people came and offered up their sacrifices for the sins that they have committed. And after they've offered up the sacrifices, they went and washed themselves by the bronze uh, laver, says there, but it was a basin where they had to wash themselves. And before they could enter into the holy place, they had to be clean. They had to be free from their sin before they could enter into fellowship with God. And only the priests were able to go into the holy place. And then you had the holy of holies where only the high priest could enter once a year. Now, a funny thing, the priestly robe had little bells on, you know, hanging on it. And um, the bells was there to, so that the people outside of a holy, the Holy of Holies could hear whether the person is still alive. If they didn't hear any bells, they knew he was dead, so there was a rope around the guy's leg, and they would pull him out. Um, so that place was a sacred place. That's where the, holy, the, the high priest could enter in once a year. Now, the most holy place was also a place where that was basically God's throne room. Now, think about this. God was the king of the Israelites, and God was in the midst of the Israelites. 
imagine if you can say that, you know, here in South Africa, that God is our president, or God is our king. That must be amazing. You know, in a, a couple of books, a couple of um, Bible books later, we read in the book of Samuel where the people went to the prophet Samuel and said, give us a real king. We want a king like the other nations. And the prophet Samuel got really upset, and God said, let it be. Because Samuel knew that if you're going to go from trusting God to trusting man, it's just a matter of time before, before you fall apart. And we see how Israel went from being the greatest nation to ending up in a nation in exile. They were almost completely wiped out. There was just one tribe that God kept alive for the sake of his promise that he made to Abraham. And the way that the tabernacle was designed and the, and the things in the tabernacle was for people to get into the Holy of Holies. The whole mission of the tabernacle and the way that it was laid out was for you to start at one point at the bronze altar where you present your sacrifice and end up in the Holy of Holies. God wants you to be in His presence. He wants you to be in fellowship with Him. Now, there's a couple of things that takes place in God's presence. Okay? When you enter into God's presence, what seems to be impossible, all of a sudden seems possible. Okay? What, what seemed to be so big, all your anxieties and fears, all of a sudden becomes no. And you only see God and you worship Him. See, when you're in God's presence, He makes all things new. When you're in God's presence, there's freedom, there's breakthrough, there's life and life in abundance. That's why God wants you to be in His presence because He knows that's where you will prosper. That's where you will be able to have, to look like Jesus. That's where you will be able to actually give life. In Jesus' name. So the tabernacle was for you to get rid of your flesh and to, for you to start living in the Spirit. Now, the first section I want to talk about is the bronze altar. Now, this was a place, like I said, where people had to offer up sacrifices for their sins and also wash themselves clean before they could enter into fellowship with God. Now, firstly, this was a this was a shadow of what Jesus was going to come and do. Jesus was our provision, our lamb. So in Numbers 21 verse 4 to 7, we read how the Israelites once again spoke against God. Okay, they were murmuring and can God do this or can God do this? And God didn't take it too lightly this time around. Okay, he sent fiery or fiery serpents into the camp of the Israelites and it says that thousands died. Okay. The Israelites, after a while, realized that, man, <laughs> we messed up again. And they went to Moses and asked Moses, Moses, pray to God for us. Moses then prayed to God, and God told Moses, Moses, make a bronze serpent and lift it up. Whoever would look at this bronze serpent will live. So if they got bitten by a snake, they would look at the bronze serpent, and the effect of a poison didn't have any effect on them. Okay, and then in John 3, when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. And we know that that eternal life is to know 
the only true God and the one whom he has sent. We read that in uh, John 17 verse 3. Now, before anybody could enter into the inner courts of God's presence, it had to be forgiven of sins. Okay? Repentance and the washing away of sins was needed in order for you to enter into fellowship with God. Simple. The holy place was a place of fellowship, and before you could enter into fellowship with God, you had to get rid of your sin. You had to be clean before you could present yourself to God. Now, we, with new believers especially, we, what, what do we tell them? Believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, and be baptized, and what? You'll be saved. You'll be able to enter into fellowship with God. Now, secondly, second thing about the bronze altar is that is a place where you need to deal with your flesh. See, this is a place where your flesh your carnal mind, or your, you as a person, get attacked the most. Okay? This is where you are bombarded with daily chores. People are fighting for your time. There's a lot of stuff going on in your life, on the outside, your flesh, that you need to actually just lay aside in order to enter into fellowship with God. Now, I don't know about you. Have you well, I'm going to ask you, have you ever thought about why we do church the way that we do church. Okay, why do we have a, stru a structure? Why do we start off with worship and then go into the message and then after the message go into ministry time? See, when people come to church, Jesus is not necessarily the topic on everybody's minds. Okay, let's just be honest. Everybody's bombarded with daily things, um, things that need to get done. Maybe, um, maybe your wife, your husband, your kids, maybe you had a major fight with them just before you walked into church. Uh, maybe you had an emergency that you had to deal with this week. Maybe there's some stuff that, you do, that you're trying to figure out, financial strain, or um, any of that that's, that's consuming your mind. And Jesus is the last person on your mind when you walk in church, even though you're here to worship Him. And you see, when, when we start to sing, everybody's uptight usually, right? The band starts to, to, to play the worship track, and you're standing there, you're like, you know, feels awkward, everybody can see you. And um, <clears throat> as you start to sing, I surrender almost. And... Um, you look around and, you know, you, you start seeing other people singing. And, you know, every then, now and then there's somebody that raises their hand. And so all of a sudden you feel obligated to, to raise your hand as well. You know, you also want to look super spiritual. And, um, and as, you, as you worship, you have this light bulb, light bulb moment where you, you, you realize that, hey, if I can't see them, they can't see me. So I'm going to close my eyes, and uh, <laughs> then they can't see me. And so as you worship and as you start thinking about everything that needs to take place during the week and, you know, the, the things that you've been facing, all of a sudden you start thinking about the things that you are actually singing. And as you start singing and glorifying God, you realize that, hey, whoa, God is an awesome God. 
all of a sudden, all these problems, these fears and anxieties start fading away, and all you see is God. And just like that, you are in His presence. You enter into fellowship with Him, and God is like, my boy or my girl, they're ready to meet with me. And as you get rid of those distractions, you are ready for fellowship. See, I don't know, the parents might be able to, might be able to tell you, but if you're trying to, to, to talk to your kids about important matters, and they're on their phone, okay, messaging people or on social media, what does that feel like? It feels terrible. What if you're going through your testament with your kids, and they're on social media and WhatsApping their friends, oh, you know, my dad's going through his testament, smiley, smiley, wink, wink. You know, sometimes we have somebody's full attention when we actually die. Because the testament that we left behind is, well, the te- a testament's the only thing that we leave behind when we die. That's the last words that you will ever get from that person. So you pay close attention to that. And maybe Jesus had to die so that we can focus our attention on the testament that he has left behind. The New Testament that declares us sons and daughters of God. Rightful heirs to the kingdom that Jesus came to establish on earth. Now we know that Jesus raised from the dead and he went to heaven But he left us here, and he left his testament with us so that we will pay close attention to that. Because in that book is all the instructions that we need to accomplish his will on earth. See, it's easy to get distracted and miss the important things. When Jesus walked this earth, um, it says that thousands of people followed him. Okay, and when the pawpaw hit the fan and... Uh, Jesus got crucified, everybody deserted him, even his closest disciples, even after Jesus told them what was about to take place. And you see, the disciples got distracted by the works of God, and they completely missed the heart of God. See, God's heart is for us to have fellowship with him. He wants you to be in His presence because He knows that when you abide in His presence, it's like you have a different perspective, a heavenly perspective where you can see things that others can't. It's where you can rise above anything where people seem to get stuck. It's like when we prayed this morning, um, there might be people that, that feel stuck. Man, get into the presence of God and let Him fight for you. See, when we're out of the presence of God, we fight for ourselves. When we're in the presence of God, that's when God takes over. He's like, my boy, let me take care of this. Allow God to fight for you. Now, the outer court was a place to lay down your flesh at the feet of Jesus. And it's also a place where you need to renew your mind. Now, <clears throat> now Romans 12 is 1 to 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up there. Um, This is a popular scripture. It 
It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Want to know what spiritual worship looks like? It's you laying your life by the feet of Jesus, presenting yourself, laying down your life as a living sacrifice at the feet of Jesus. Let's carry on. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, and as you start laying down your own life with its distractions, you are no longer conformed by this world. You are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, you are no longer conformed. You are no longer shaped by your anxieties and your fears and all these distractions. You are transformed by what God is doing in you, and you end up molding and shaping your fears and anxieties. You master them. You control your fears and your anxieties. You don't allow your fears and anxieties to control you. See, there's a big difference. And see, that's why we do churches the way we do. The whole setup of church is to get you into a place where you can meet with God, where you can enter into the presence of God. We're not, we're not, we don't want to play church. We don't want to be a religious institution. We want a place where we want this to be a place where you can meet with the living God, Jesus Christ. The second place I want to talk about is the holy place. Now, the holy place, that's where the priests could go into, um, that's where the priests went into every day to have fellowship with God. Now, Paul said that we are ambassadors of Christ. Okay, we represent the the kingdom of God and the values of God. And in another place where... um, in one of the epistles of Peter, Peter said that we are a real priesthood, a holy people, a particular, a holy nation, a particular people unto our God. And um, so we as priests of God, God has given us that privilege to have fellowship with Him. So why not do that? Why stand on the outside where, you know, where there's nothing? And they say that an ambassador of a country have a lifespan of two years. Okay? When you go to represent your country at another, in another country at an embassy, you have a lifespan of two years. They say if you, remain, if you stay there longer than two years, you start being empathetic or sympathetic towards uh, those people. And because of that, you are unable to represent the country that you are from. Make sense? See, it's good for us to be friends with unbelievers. It's good for us to go where we can meet unbelievers. But if we do not live in the holy place, we will start being sympathetic towards their sins, and we will start to justify their sins. That's when we, we think that, you know, we look at people that doesn't have a job, that has a family that they need to provide for, and we say, you know, I think it's fine, you know, like they steal and sometimes kill people. But I can totally get that because, you know, they don't, they don't have, 
They don't have a job and they need to provide for their family. Now, the, king, the, the word says that seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But now, you could say to me that how are they supposed to know that? Well, isn't that the purpose of a church? Aren't we supposed to go and make the kingdom and the word of God known to the people in this world? See, we are called to be the difference. The holy place is a place where um, that taught the Israelites to be in this world, but not to be off this world. Make sense? We learn from the book of Exodus that God is a holy God. And if we approach Him as believers, we must present ourselves as holy people. If you are a believer, you have an obligation to present yourself as holy before God. I think we forget that God is God and we um, not your buddy that you can continually take advantage of. You know, we, we see God as, as somebody that when we need something, we just we go to Him and things appear. Treat Him as somebody that we can take advantage of. God called us to be in this world, but not to be a part of it. And there are three things in this holy place where the priest went in daily that will help us with our daily lives to have fellowship with God, to stay in fellowship with God. One of those things was the lamp stamp. Now, the tent was completely dark. There was a lamp stamp in, a menorah lamp stamp, and this lamp stamp was, was there to provide light, okay, so that they could see what they were doing. Now, David said in, in Psalms 119 that, Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet. And so God has given us his word, and he has given us the anointing of the Holy Spirit to light up that word so that we can see where we are going as Christians, so that we can see what we're doing, where we're going. First Corinthians says that, you know, the people stumble in darkness. Unbelievers stumble in darkness, and they don't know over what they stumble. But we as Christians have this light that shows us over what they stumble. It shows us the way so that we don't stumble over the same things. It provides light. The second thing was the table of a bread of a presence. Okay? It was a, a table that had 12 loaves of bread, and it was called the bread of a presence. Now, as Christians, we need, to, we need food to sustain us, not just physically, spiritually. Okay? Um, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. So Jesus taught them how to pray. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Now, here's a challenge for you. If you can eat once a week for a month, and you're still alive, I'll buy you a chocolate. <laughs> if, you're gonna, if you eat once a week, you will die soon. If you feed your spiritual life once a week, it will die very soon. 
Your spiritual life is something that needs to be fed every single day. Just like your physical body needs to be fed every day if you want a spiritual life. Coming to church and feeding your spirit once a week at church, it's not going to work. Your spiritual life will die. And so spending time in God's presence, seeking Him, seeking fellowship with Him. Guys, we need the bread of His presence to sustain us. His presence is what sustains our spiritual lives. So remain in His presence. Seek His presence with all you've got. The third thing that was in the holy place was the altar of incense. Now, this altar represented the prayers of a people. And the incense that was burned released a sweet-smelling fragrance in the air. And that was pleasing to God. Now, I can't stretch enough how important it is to pray. If you think that you can have a spiritual life without prayer, you're fooling yourself. Prayer is what sustains us. Prayer is what is necessary if we want fellowship with God. If you can't talk to somebody, then it's impossible to have fellowship with that person. Now, I mentioned before that I love history. And I love church history in particular. I love to see where the church came from. And I love to, to kind of just picture where the church is heading towards. I love to see that. And um, one of the greatest revivals that this world has ever seen, well, actually all the revivals that this world has ever had was all ignited by prayer. Now, sometimes they would, they would go up to start the meeting in prayer, and five hours later the people f- are just all over the place, and they are worshiping God, and all they did was just pray. Prayer is one of your greatest weapons as a Christian. Pray, pray, pray. Do not neglect it. The third uh, place and final place, the most holy place, the holy of holies, that was the throne room of God. Now, the Israelites couldn't go further than the bronze altar. Um, They came there to give up there to to present their sacrifice. After that, the, the priest went into the the holy place, and the high priest went into the holy of holies once a year. And that's when the glory of God came down. And um, so Jesus came and restructured the way that we do worship. So that veil that was between the holy of holies and the holy place, Jesus taught, torn from top to bottom. If you have fellowship with God, you are now able to enter into the glory of God. You have that privilege as a believer. Now, a lot of Christians, or I want to go as far as to say most Christians are only happy to go as far as the bronze altar. They want Jesus as their Savior you know, just so that they can go into heaven, but they don't want Jesus as their Lord because they don't really want to do what Jesus say they must do. The picture of Jesus is this fluffy little God that thinks that your, your sins are nothing and that you can just do what you want because, you know, Jesus is love after all. 
That's the picture that most people have of God. Unfortunately, you cannot get Jesus as Savior without getting Jesus as Lord. It's one and the same thing. You either get both or you get nothing at all. In Exodus 20, verse 18 to 21, Mela shared um, briefly about that last week, Malise. It says, when all the Israelites gathered around the foot of a mountain to hear God speak, so God came down to the mountain to speak to his people, all the laws and and all of that. And when God spoke, the Israelites went to Moses and said, Moses, you speak to us. Don't let God speak to us lest we die. And sad to say, but we do exactly the same. You know, sometimes we, we're not really interested in hearing God's voice. Or when he does speak, we don't really like it because it makes us uncomfortable. We would much rather listen to the preacher in the front, you know, and also that way, when, I, when you stand before God one day, you can blame somebody else for something that you didn't know. And all God wanted, guys, from the beginning was for you to be in His presence, for you to have fellowship with Him. We see that in the book of Genesis, where God walked with Adam every single day. And then when Adam messed up, and he kind of... Um, took away the fellowship between him and God, God came to Moses and said, Moses, I want to be with my people. Build this tabernacle so that I can be with my people. Then the Israelites chose to follow man rather than God, and then God sent Jesus, his son, to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we now, even the Gentiles, can have fellowship and a relationship with God. That's how... Badly, God wants to have fellowship with you and me. You know, sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and we don't experience God. We come to the front, we ask, um, we ask you know, people to pray for us so that we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it doesn't work. Now, the thing is that God's got a system, okay? Much like the licensing department, but just much, much better, much more efficient. You see, when you go to the licensing department, in order for you to go to um, the the third point, you have to go through the first, the second, before you can go to the third station. Okay? Even if you go to the fourth station, in order to get to the fourth station, you need, still need to go through station one, station two, station three, station four. In order for you to enter into fellowship with God, you have to go through the first station, which is the bronze altar. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to be born again. You need to lay down your distractions. You need to lay down your life, pick up your cross, and follow Him. If you want fellowship with God, you can't, st- you can't skip that stage. See, if we sometimes get to a place where we have fellowship with God, and it, it's amazing, but then we get distracted, and we go out of that holy place. Now, you can't just step back in. You have to go through the first station again. Once you're out of that station, you have to start at the beginning again. You can't continue where you left off. 
you know, it's, I, I like to go to the gym and work out, especially before summer, and I get my summer bod ready. And, uh, you know, as I go on holiday, I stop gymming. And even after holiday, I still take a rest from gymming. I'm like, mm, you know, procrastinate. <laughs> I love procrastinating. And then eventually when I get myself to go to the gym again, I try to pick up the same weights that I picked up, you know, just before I stopped gymming. And then the next morning I realized with a bang that <laughs> I need to start where I need to start at the beginning. And it's the same with us. If you have been in fellowship with God, you have to go back to the first and you've and you've went out of that fellowship. You need to go back to station one. You need to go and repent of the sins that you have done before you have to wash yourself clean before you can enter into fellowship with God once again. See, the only way that we, that we, that we go out of fellowship with God is when we get distracted and when we, when we sin, when we do things that God is not really pleased with. We walk out of fellowship. And we can't just walk back in. We need to go through the first step. Now, why is it so important to be in God's presence? I explained to you a little bit about that. But why go through all these steps just to be in God's presence? Now, I want to ask you a question. Where did Moses learn to lead a nation of a million people? Okay, some would say that he got experience in the, in the courts of Pharaoh as he grew up. But Moses got all his instructions in the presence of God. When he went up to the mountain, God gave him all the blueprints of what needed to be done and um, where they needed to go, all of those things. And that made them successful. You know, Jesus said that I only do what I see my father does. How did Jesus see his father do anything? Was it while he was walking and praying for the people? Or was it when he went into, um, onto the mountain to spend time with him in his presence? See, when we spend time with God, when we are in his presence, that's when we start seeing things that other people don't. We start seeing the blueprints for our own life. And we are able to walk out the purpose and the calling that God has for us. Now, so, so many of us miss the plans and the purposes of God because we fail to spend time in His presence. Guys, the veil has been torn for us to enter into the Holy of Holies. What are we still doing outside? Why are we still outside? See, when you can come to church and the only thing that's... Um, The depending factor of whether you will experience God or not is what are you doing when you stand in front of a bronze altar? Do you allow those distractions to overtake you or do you lay them down to spend time to be in fellowship with God? <clears throat> now, I've worked out a troubleshooting list. You know, usually when you buy a computer, you get... A little cart that says troubleshooting. Now, you'll be surprised how, how many people often use that, that cart. You know, and the cart would go like, step one, is it plugged in? 
It seems so stupid, but people then plug in their computer. Second step, did you switch on the computer? Okay, it seems so simple, but people still get it wrong. And so I worked out a troubleshooting card for us to evaluate where are we in our fellowship with God. Is that all right? Shall we stand? So the first thing that I want you to ask yourself, are you born again? Okay, you will never experience the baptism. Okay, God can pour out His Spirit on you, but if you come to the front and you want to be filled with His Holy Spirit, it's very unlikely that you will be filled with His Spirit if you are not born again. God is a holy God, and for Him to pour out His Spirit into you, you need to be holy. You need to be washed clean. So the first thing, are you born again? Did you give your life to Jesus? Did you lay down your life to follow Him? I think people need to tie my hands. If you've done step one, have you done step two? Have you been baptized? Now you can experience God without being baptized, but God's got steps. It says, believe on Him, repent, be baptized. Have you been baptized? If you've done that, let's go to the third step. What sin do you think God wants you to repent of? What is God saying to you? What in your life needs to change for you to have fellowship with God? Okay? Step four. Have you repented of that sin? Now, there's a difference between repenting and feeling sorry. Repenting is when you are broken over what you have done. And man, you, you are sorrowful. Come to God like, God, please forgive me. And you turn away from that which you, you turn away from the thing that you have done. If you're just feeling sorry for yourself, then, you know, it's when you've done something wrong and you know it's wrong and you're like, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. But then in a day or two or in a week or two, you go back to the same thing. Then you have not repented. Repenting is walking away from the sin that is holding you. And then the fifth thing, if you have not experienced the Holy Spirit, if you haven't experienced God's presence, ach, presence, Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for Him to come and fill you up. See, God's Word says that if you ask me for a stone, I won't give you a serpent. If you ask me for a bread, I won't give you a stone or a serpent. I will give you the Holy Spirit. So as you are standing here, can you just close your eyes? I want you to evaluate yourself. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never decided that you will follow Jesus for the rest of your life, that is the first step. That is the first step of entering into the kingdom of God and entering into fellowship with God. You cannot have fellowship with God without that. And if that is you, 
can I just ask you just to make your way to the front softly. There will be people here that will lead you into a prayer where you can lay down your life for Christ. The second thing, as you are standing there, have you been baptized? If not, I want you to come and chat to us. We'd love to baptize you. That's one of the instructions that Jesus gave us, things that we must do. Die to Christ, die with Christ, and and rise with Christ. The third thing, what is it, what is God convicting you of that you need to get rid of in order to have fellowship with Him? Are there any sins in your life that you need to repent of? Have you repented? As you're standing there, if God is highlighting things in your life, can you just ask God to forgive you? Ask Him to take that away. He loves you. He cares for you. And if you haven't experienced the presence of God or the Holy Spirit, why don't you, want to, why don't you ask Him to come and fill you up? Come and ask Him. If you ask Him for a bread, He's not going to give you a stone. He's going to give you what you ask for. 